Well, hello, Parkview. Uh, good to see you this weekend. Glad you've made the choice uh, to be around here. And uh, wow, it is, uh, it's cold. Uh, okay, just in case uh, you hadn't uh, felt all that, I've already had, I've had a number of people this weekend uh, sharing with me, Todd, you know, it, it's not cold, it's, it's refreshing is what it is. It's very refreshing. And then I would answer to you, I, then I am sufficiently refreshed, okay? I've, I've had enough refreshment. Let's warm it up in here. Uh, it's a little crazy, single-digit type degrees, but I'm, I'm so grateful to, to be here this weekend. I'm glad you're here. I want to welcome all of our campuses around Chicagoland, Homer Glen. Uh, love you guys. Uh, New Linux, everybody around Orland, good to see you. Everybody online, everybody on Facebook Live uh, at this service. So glad that you are a part of this as well. And if you've been around for the last uh, couple of weeks around Parkview, you know that we're in a series right now that we're doing with just hundreds of other churches around Chicagoland. And we're doing the same series, same topics uh, each week, and uh, the series is called Explore God. And I, I want you to know that in this, this series, our goal is not to, like, eradicate all doubts about God. Um, it's, it's our goal to just study together, to grow, ask questions about God and about faith and, and do that uh, together. And to kind of in, investigate, is this God thing a real thing? Is the God thing a real thing? And if it is, what are the implications for my life and my family and that sort of thing? So before we get going into our exploratory question today and our subject today, I want to share with you something. Uh, I'm going to do something today in the message that I've only done one time uh, in 25 years of preaching and teaching. I've only done this one other time, and, and that is this. I'm going to share a message with you today about God, uh, but I'm not going to really use uh, any verses from the Bible, from God's Word, or stories from God's Word. So we're going to talk about God, but I'm not going to use a lot of verses from God's Word. So, I want you to know that because if we get to the end of the message today and you're kind of leaning over talking to somebody saying, well, I, I, don't even, I don't even remember if you used any verses today. I just want you to know that I know that. I'm aware of that. That is the plan for this weekend. And here's why, because there's all kinds of people around Chicagoland, around the Parkview campuses who are really kind of hardcore investigating who God is and who the Bible is. And some are just a little bit skeptical on what this is all about. And so today we're going to take just a little bit different look and a little bit, ang a little bit different angle on this subject, and I think uh, it's going to be beneficial to all of us by the time we're done with our study today. So that's where we're headed. If you're taking notes, here's the question that we want to dive into this weekend. Is there a God? Is there a God? And I know that's a pretty broad, uh, pretty big question, so let's bring it down just a little bit and ask this. Uh, do you ever wonder if God actually exists? I mean, just be honest with yourself. Whether you've been around church a lot or not hardly at all, do you ever just kind of wonder at times, is, is God really there? I mean, does he exist? I'll tell you this. I wonder. I do. There are times in my life that I, I wonder if God's really there or he's doing what he's supposed to be doing or whatever it is. And I think pretty much every person that I've ever met at times questions the existence of God and how all that works. 
Uh, I think it probably starts when we're little kids, you know. If you have kids or uh, remember back when you were a little kid, we try to understand God and we ask questions of God to try and understand him and, and maybe you write notes or write letters to God or maybe your kids or grandkids do that to try and understand uh, who God is. Uh, this week actually around Parkview, we intercepted some of these little letters that kids write to God to try and understand God and figure out how he works and that sort of thing. Uh, here's, here's just a few of them, okay? Uh, Dear God, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? Right? That's Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. I think all of us wonder that from time to time. Are you really there? I mean, seriously, I've been told you are, but I can't see you. I haven't seen you working for a while. Are you really there? That's kind of feel like Lucy uh, sometimes. Or what about this? Uh, God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all the people in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> right? Thanks, Frank, for being honest. Uh, do you ever wonder that? Do you ever like, God, why did you put me here? Why am I in this family? I don't fit. You know, get this. Oh, thanks. That's, that's kind of Frank's view maybe there. Or what about this? Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> I think, you know, as we're, as we're young, we're trying to figure out God. We're asking questions to see how he works. And it, it, it bleeds over into our lives as we become adults. And if you're a young adult and, and you're a parent or a grandparent, it, it seems like the idea of God permeates our culture. Whether, listen, whether you believe in God or not, it seems like God permeates our culture. People thinking or talking about God. I mean, it's on our money for crying out loud, right? In God we trust. It's hard to miss that, no matter what you think about God. Or what about this? In, in our pledge, one nation under God. This notion of God seems to be just all over the place, but even though God seems to be all over the place, sometimes the truth is it, it's hard to believe that he's there. It's, he's kind of invisible, and how do I know that? It's not uncommon for me to be uh, once or twice a month to be on an airplane or at a coffee shop or something like that. I'm working and I get into a conversation with somebody. Sometimes it's someone I know, a friend or something like that that I'm meeting there. Sometimes it's just a stranger that I'm talking with. I, I, I pretty much enjoy talking to people, so I'll just, if, even if you're, I'll just talk. So anyway, um, so I'm just talking to someone. Once or twice a month, I, it turns to faith and, and, and I'll have someone, uh, you know, say to me something like this. You know what? I, I just, I don't believe in God anymore. Or I've never believed in God. And it's not uncommon to have somebody say uh, those, those sorts of things. And, and maybe for you, um, you've had somebody say that to you over the course of even Thanksgiving or Christmas season. Maybe it was somebody in your family and you're doing some Christmas things and they just kind of say, okay, first of all, here's what I just need to let everybody know. I don't really believe in God anymore, Okay. And that can be hard, right? When somebody says that sort of thing, especially if you believe in God, it's hard for somebody to say, I don't believe in God. It, it kind of gets you. So what do you do with that? Where do you take that conversation? I'll tell you what I usually do when somebody says that to me, and it happens pretty much every month. Here's what I say to them. I say, okay, here's what I want you to do then. Would you describe to me the God that, that you don't believe in? Just, just share with me. Tell me about God that you don't believe in. And, and almost always that person will go on and, and say something like, well, okay, here's the deal. Here's where it started. Back when I was young, 
I had a brother, and my brother got sick, and everybody was praying for him and thinking about him, and he was supposed to get better, and then he didn't. And, and my brother was young, and he, and he passed away when he was really little. And from that point on, you know what? I'm just kind of like, I'm out. I'm out on this deal because God couldn't help him or didn't help him either way. Or maybe my parents, you know, one of them was sick or they got separated or whatever. And at that point, I said, I'm out on God. Or maybe they described to me, you know, there's all this pain in the world or there's suffering or there's starvation. There's people starving in different places. And if God could fix that, why didn't he fix it? And they share all these different kinds of things with me. And by the time they get to the end of talking about God, whether it's two minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, I can almost always, 99.9% of the time, I can look them right in the face and I can say to them, you know what? I don't believe either. I don't believe in God either, at least not the God that you're describing to me right now. You see, here's what happens. Parfew, check, check this out. What happens when we question the existence of God is we question the version of God that we grew up with. This is what happens to, to all of us in, in our lives. When people lose faith or when people step away from God, what we're really stepping away from is the version of God or the view of God that we grew up with. For instance, if you grew up going to church, a lot of you probably did grow up going to church, you have a view of God, a version of God that was handed to you in your early days probably by the church that you came up in. And, and the church you went to may have been very conservative or it may have been very liberal. It may have been charismatic or Catholic or Lutheran or Presbyterian or Baptist or, or, or whatever it is. You had a view of God, that, that the church helped form in you, which is fine, which is a good thing. But you don't even have to go to church to have a view about God. Maybe if you've never hardly ever been to church at all in, in your life, every single person that you work with this week, every person that you go to school with this week has a view and a version of God in their minds. We all have that. And so maybe a fair question for us to ask this weekend as we dive into this subject is this. Who handed you your view of God? Who handed you your view of God? Who helped form your view of God? Or, or maybe an, another way to say it is like this. How do you know what you know about God? You ever think about that? You ever think about that question? Maybe if you're honest, you're, you're thinking, Todd, I don't really ever, I don't think I ever think about, you know, that. But if I'm honest, here's what I would have to say. I don't know, Todd, how I know what I think I know about God. I don't know. And then here's what I would say is that probably what you know about God, what you've learned about God, your view and version of God comes to you from several different places. There are several different people groups in our world that have probably helped form up what you know about God. And it's the same with me. The first group is probably uh, parents. Your parents, maybe in a positive or negative way, influenced your view about God. Maybe they believed in God a lot, and so it helped you believe in him. Maybe they didn't believe in God at all or go to church, and so that's just kind of the track you went down for, for quite a while. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, my parents were at church a lot, and so they took me to church a lot. In fact, one of the earliest memories that I have uh, of, of growing up is, is like during preschool or uh, kindergarten, my dad started a Christian bookstore in our basement. And so he had books and Bibles down there, and people would come in, and they would buy these books and Bibles, and then they would leave. And so for me, growing up, I mean, God lived in our basement, <laughs> right? I mean, he was down there. It was holy. 
And that's kind of the way I grew up, right? And, and that was a good thing. I'm thankful for that. And so maybe some of you, your parents, for the good or the bad, helped form your view and your perception of who God is. Maybe for some of you, it's a pastor. Maybe it wasn't so much growing up with your parents. Maybe you started going to church just a little bit later in life, teenage years or young adult years or whatever it is. Maybe you've been around Parkview here for the last two or three years or five or ten, or some of you have been here 20 or 25 years. If that's the case, Parkview and Pastor Tim, who's fantastic, has in a good way helped you understand kind of who God is and how he works and, and a lot of things in the Bible and, and things like that. A, a pastor has helped form your view of God. And again, I, I think that's solid. I think that's a good, good thing. Maybe uh, another group that would help form that is maybe your favorite author. Uh, maybe you have somebody that you just love to read and you love how they talk about God or faith and you really resonate with that and how they talk about God moving or how he works. And so you just read everything you can by that person. It's your favorite author who's influenced a lot of that. Uh, for me, I, I, uh, back about 15 years ago, I planted a church in Simi Valley, California, and uh, right near the Reagan Library. And right near our church, Discovery Church, there was another church just a couple of miles away called Cornerstone Church, and there was a guy there pastoring named Francis Chan. I don't know if you know who Francis Chan is, but he's a good guy. He's become a good friend, and he wrote a book a few years back uh, called Crazy Love, and it got incredibly popular, and, and millions of people read it, and it influenced their view of how God is and how God works and all of those sorts of things. And, and, and again, what I just want to say is that's, that's a good thing. I, th I think that's a solid thing, but, but here's the deal. Here's what I want us to consider. When everything or most everything we know about God comes to us from someone else, when most everything we know about God comes to us from our parents or a, a pastor or a favorite author or something like that, here's what we can have. Here's what can happen in our life when everything comes to us from someone else. We can, we can have this, a surrogate faith. We can have a surrogate faith in God. And you know what a surrogate is, right? A surrogate, by definition, is like a substitute or it's a replacement or a stand-in or, or something like that. A surrogate is a person who carries something for someone else. That's what they do. I mean, you've heard of a surrogate mom, right? We talk about surrogate moms sometimes. A, a surrogate mom is a mom, a, a lady who carries a baby for someone else. It's not her baby. She's carrying it for someone else. And, and you know what? That can be... Amazing. That can be fantastic. These ladies who carry these babies, it's almost always ladies, um, is, is right? It's, it's, it's awesome. It is fantastic. It is a beautiful thing. And in the same way, the person who, who gave you some of your faith in God and his word and, and, and that trusted friend or that parent or that pastor or that favorite author or something like that, that can be who helped form your faith. That can be an amazing thing. I personally carried a, a surrogate faith around for a period of my life, no doubt about it. I want you to see this, kind of how it played out in my life, because maybe you'll be able to kind of resonate with this as well. Maybe it was kind of like this. In the first trimester of my life, as, as my faith was just coming to be, birth through like 13 years old, I carried my parents' faith 
I, I told you that they were in church a lot, and so I was in church a lot, and a lot of what I knew about God and, and the Bible and things like that came from my parents. As, as you get into the second uh, trimester, my teenage years, 13 to 18, junior high, high school, man, it was my pastor's faith. I had a great youth pastor. I was involved in a really good youth program. His name was Reggie, is Reggie, and I just, man, I loved him, and I love how he talked about God, and a lot of what he knew about God and, and thought about God, it, it came into my life during my junior high and high school years, and I just, I brought that in. And by the time you get to the third trimester of life, 18 to 21, some young adult years, I carried professors and favorite pastors and authors, and, and I want you to know this, Parkview, by the time I got out of college, I knew a whole lot about God. I really did, but I didn't really know God a lot on my own, right? I knew a whole lot about God, but I didn't know God a lot on my own. What I'm saying is pretty much everything I knew about God was coming to me from someone else. I, I had a surrogate, or if you will, a second-hand faith in God. Most of what I knew about him was coming to me from someone else. And maybe right now as I'm talking, maybe some of you right now are, are thinking, okay, whoa, 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 okay, Todd, just pause. Can you slow down here for just a second? Time out. Time out. Wow, Todd, hello. I, I think I may have some of that. I think I may have some of that thing you're talking about. I think I may have some of that surrogate kind of faith. I may, I may personally have some of that secondhand type of faith in my life because maybe you're thinking to yourself, I think a lot of the things that I know about God are coming to me from other people. And, and listen, if you feel that way, I don't want to reduce or downplay the influence of your parents or a pastor or an author or anything like that in your life. I think those can all be really good things. But here's the thing. When this is our story, when it's all secondhand like that, when, when, when that's our story, when everything is secondhand that we know about God, it can become very easy to question, does God really exist? We're on a slippery slope there. When everything we know about God is coming from someone else, instead of experiencing him uh, for ourselves, we can easily question who God is. And, and here's why that happens. I see it all the time. And that is because what happens to our faith when those who gave it to us fail or fall. When those people who have handed you faith, when those people who have taught you about faith and grown up in faith and taught you about the Bible, what happens when they kind of go off and they fail or they fall away? Then what happens to us? What happens to you? In your faith. I see this happen all the time. It's a person who's raised in a really good Christian home, and mom and dad are really on fire, and, and they're very much in love, and you know, they're having date nights, and they're raising their kids, and everything is good, and, and the kids get older, and they start going off to college, and they start getting married, and, and mom and dad start having maybe some more problems, and, and maybe they stop going to church, or dad or mom stops going to church, or maybe they get separated, or something like that, and, and before long, they're just not even practicing a lot of that faith anymore, and you go, you know what? This whole thing, I don't even know if it was ever real. They're not doing it anymore. They're not going anymore. They're not together anymore. Guess Guess what? I'm out. I'm out. And, and, and them falling away from a lot of what they had held causes us to consider what we're doing. Or maybe it's something like this. Maybe you have been a part of a church in the past. And I mean, you loved it. You were involved in this place. You had started serving around there and giving some of your resources. And man, the, the leaders there were great. And there was this person who would preach and teach. And man, you just thought they were so great. And they, they were so full of wisdom, it seemed like, and so in tune with God and his word. And it was just fantastic. And, and then what happens is you kind of, you, you find out that this leader, this pastor isn't exactly who they said they were. And, uh, Things get kind of messy, and they have to resign, or they're released, and that sort of thing. And you go, you know what? If that's, if that's what's going on, if, if that's the deal, guess what? I, I'm done. 
because they handed us so much of that. Or maybe it's an author that you like that just starts writing things that you don't agree with. The faith in God that these people handed to you and me, listen, it can be a beautiful thing. But when they fail or when they fall away, it's easy sometimes for us to just follow along in that. And, and here's what I believe, okay, Parkview, here's what I believe. And by the way, you can agree or disagree with this, what I'm getting ready to say. You can totally agree or disagree with this, but here's what I believe. I believe people who say, I, I just don't believe in God anymore, or I, I've never believed in God. I, I don't believe in God. Here, here's what I believe. Like the vast majority I've ever met who say, I don't believe in God, here's why. It's because he was never really their God to begin with. That's why. It was a second-hand kind of faith in God. It was a surrogate faith in God. It was someone else's faith that they were carrying, which can be a beautiful thing, but they'd never made it their own. And at some point, at some point, Parkview, you have to own your own faith. You have to begin to own your own faith in God. And it's not easy to own anything of your own, is it? it? It's always easier to borrow stuff, right? I'd much rather borrow stuff than own stuff. It's quicker to borrow stuff. It's cheaper to just borrow yours instead of buying mine. Uh, but, but there are times in life, and you know this, that it's just better to own stuff than to borrow stuff. And it's certainly that way in faith. We need to begin to make it our own, but a lot of times we just want to borrow it. And I'm that way in, in, in life. Let me just kind of describe it to you and see if I can put something in your mind that will help you remember this. Uh, a, a lot of weekends when I'm sitting at Tim's house, you know, getting ready and praying and getting ready to preach and teach and, and be, be uh, hanging out um, with everybody, uh, I, I look outside, not, not this weekend specifically because it's all snowy and and stuff, but on, on a lot of weekends, I look outside and it's like a, a Saturday, uh, you know, afternoon or a Sunday morning, and I look out into Tim's neighborhood, and it seems like everybody in the neighborhood is mowing grass. Everybody's mowing their grass. And a couple of times, twice, I've, I've been all the way actually out into Tim's driveway. I've never actually gone through with it, but I've been out in Tim's driveway and I've watched a person mowing their grass over across the street and I have wanted to walk across to them and just come up to them and say, could I push a little bit and mow your grass? Because I love to mow grass. I do. I just, I love it. I love everything about it. I love the mowers. I love putting the gas in. I love the oil. I, I, I love the way that it smells. I just, I love mowing the grass. I just, I just do. When Renee and I were getting married, uh, we were young. We were like 21, 22 years old. We bought our first house in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. It was a little modest Bedford stone house, but our house was on like a half acre uh, a lot. So it was pretty big. And we were young. We had enough money to buy the house, but I had no money to buy a mower. Okay. And we had this huge yard. I was like in my early twenties. Uh, luckily my neighbor right next door to me, he was like super old. He was in his forties. Okay. He was like probably great grandpa in my eyes at that point. He was old. He had money. He had a sweet riding mower. Okay, and, and it looked just like this. This, this isn't it, but it, it was one of those John Deere green 
yellow. It had a stereo in it, you know, kind of thing. I mean, he, he armor-alled the wheels on this thing, you know. I mean, who does that? He kept it so nice, and, and he let me borrow uh, his mower anytime I, I needed it because he knew we were newlyweds, and I, and I wasn't going to be able to mow my yard, and he didn't, you know, wanted to get, you know, knee-high and stuff like that, so he, he let me borrow his mower. And, and so I did this for almost a year. And I want you to know, it, it was cool, it, it was good, it was fun. I mean, it was a fantastic, smooth mower. But every time after a few months I'd go over and borrow his mower, or every time I'd take it back, I started feeling like, oh, man, I, I started feeling weird. I started, you know, feeling a little guilty, like I'm going to have to pay for his gas, or maybe I'm holding on to it too long and all that sort of thing. And, and listen, listen, I knew, I, I knew what I needed to do. I knew it. From, from a couple months in, I knew what I needed to do. I needed to get my own mower. Right, and so I saved up. I got like $75. I got on Craigslist, and I bought a mower. This is the exact brand that I bought. It looked just like this. It was a Murray. I promise. It, it had some seat to it, but the back tire went flat. I had to pump the back tire several times for just even one mow. It was, it was old. It was, it was squeaky. It didn't, it didn't cut even, so my whole yard was you know, like uneven in the grass. It leaked oil all over the place. My wife's like, what are you doing? You know, it's all over the driveway and stuff. But guess what? It was mine. It was my mower, my first, my very own mower. And did it look like my neighbor's mower that was all polished and shiny and beautiful? No, but it was mine. It was my mower. And I was so fired up about that. Let me ask you this, Parkview, are you still, are you still borrowing someone else's mower when it comes to your faith? Is your faith, if you were honest, still on loan from someone else? I'm not downplaying that. That can be a good thing for somebody to give that to you and loan that to you. It's a benevolent good thing. But is your faith just still on loan from someone else? If it is, I would just say to you, you owe it to yourself, especially during this series that we're in, to begin to own your own faith. And it's not always going to be easy to own your own faith, right? Other people who have owned their faith for a while, it's going to you know, look all beautiful and sparkly and powerful, and they can pull it out and use it whenever they want to. When you start owning your own faith, it may not seem as powerful as someone else's. It may not start up just the way you want it to. Your faith may seem squeaky for a little bit. Your faith may leak some oil. But it's yours. It's your faith that you are building and growing in. That you're taking these things that others have handed to you and you're making it your own. And your faith may not look exactly like everything that got handed to you, but that's okay because it's yours. And you're growing it. And you're building it. And you're going to God. And you're going to his word. And you're making it your own faith. You owe it to yourself. To give God a real chance. To see if this God thing is a real thing. And I'll tell you, there's a big difference between just all of the chatter out there in our world of God's this and God's this or God's bad because he doesn't do this or God's always good because of this and all the chatter in the world. There's a big difference between everything blogs and says about in the movies and stuff like that about God and really knowing God from yourself in your life. There's a big, big difference in all the chatter out that world and really feeling him working in your life. Maybe a good way to illustrate it is like this. In, in music, you have the treble notes, right? And, and the treble notes are more like the lead lines and 
They're the harmony, they're the thing we hear and, and kind of sticks in our minds. A lot of times it's the treble notes and the treble lead lines. And then you also have the bass notes, you have the bass lines. And those are the ones that are deeper, those are the ones you feel. So the treble are more the, the lead lines, the bass lines are more the ones that you feel. You don't so much hear them, you feel them. And, and you know this, whether you've been around music a little or a lot, but let's let, not just let me describe it to you. Let's, let's experience this for just a moment. A, a treble line, more of that harmony line. Guys who are cueing things, give us one of those treble lines. Right? You want it to continue, right? You're like, ah, okay. That's the treble line, right? That, that's the treble. That's what we hear. That's the harmony. That's what we relate, we, we relate to. The, the bass line is, is very different than that. Guys, give us that bass line. Right? The bass is more of what you feel than what you here or something like that, the, the harmony. And listen, Parkview, out in this world that we're getting ready to go into this week, there's all kinds of treble. There's all, it's social media, it's entertainment, it's, it's what everybody's saying about and whispering about and yelling and screaming and writing and doing movies about God. There's all kinds of treble out here in the world, but then there's also these, at moments, there's these bass notes that come through where you're just like, you know what, I don't even completely understand what is going on, but I can feel God here with us. It's the bass notes of God. Whether you really even understand him or believe him or not, they're there. Here's some of the bass notes that we feel in our lives when you see an amazing sunset or something like that at the beach or in the mountains or out here when you're looking out over the fields, you just look at that and you're like, sometimes that's just a bass note going, whew, how did that happen? That, that's crazy. It's a bass note of God. Sometimes when you're holding a little baby, right, you're holding on to this little thing. Maybe some of you guys have just had a baby or you have kids or grandkids and maybe around Thanksgiving and Christmas even you're, you're holding, you know, this little baby and you're going, oh, you know, how did this happen? And or, we know how it happened, but, but what, what, right, what, I mean, look at this thing. This is crazy. I mean, somebody built this and put this together inside of her and, and it's, it's a base note. I don't understand how all of that happened. But I just, I, that God, there, he must be real to do something like this. And sometimes a base note for us is just the friends uh, that were around. This is my small group that I get together with each week. And sometimes when you're around people that you're really comfortable with and, and a group like that, there's this sense of community that you can just be together. You don't have to be anything different than what you are. And, and there's this, it's kind of like a base note going, oh, man. When they leave your house or you leave their house, it's like, dang, that was good. That was just good. Uh, it's, it's that base note. Or maybe uh, it's this. It's, it's this sense of justice. As we head into Martin Luther King weekend this weekend, there's this sense of justice sometimes. Again, whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. At Sometimes there's just a point in our humanness where we look out at things in this world and say, that's not okay. 
You can't do that. You, you can't say that. You can't be that to that person. There is this sense of justice that just wells up inside of us. Again, whether you believe in God or not, that that is not okay. And what I would suggest to you is that sense of justice that comes up inside of us is a base note of God. It's something he built into you to say, that's me. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I want you to feel this. Again, whether you believe in God or not, there's just seasons and times where something just resonates inside of us and something down in our gut says something is going on here. A while back, I was going through a season in my life where I was just having questions about God and why is God not doing what I thought he would do? Maybe you've been there before. God just seems quiet and it's like, what? Why? And so I got up really early in the morning uh, before the sun even came up, and, and I got a cup of coffee, and I got my journal. Not, not, I didn't even have my Bible. I just had a blank journal, and, and I was kind of frustrated with life. I was frustrated with God, and I needed to hear from him and that treble kind of thing, you know. I needed his voice in my life through him or somebody. And so sometimes when I'm in that place in life, I just wrote a box in my journal, on a blank page, just an empty box. And I just said, God, I need to, I need to feel you. I need, I need to hear from you. And I just sat there. Went through several cups of coffee, and, and it doesn't always work this way, but on this specific time, about 15, 20, 30 minutes in, I just feel, I feel, it's not in treble, but it's just in this low bass feeling in my soul. I feel God saying to me, Todd, listen, I am still with you. Okay? I know you don't understand all this crappy stuff going on, but I'm with you. And so I just wrote that in that little box. I am still with you. And for me, that's like all the base note I needed to go on with my day, to go on with my week. No, I'm not going to get it all. I, don't, I certainly don't agree with everything and where I'm at, but to know that he is still with me. He's still by my side. And I would say this to you, Parkview, if you have had people hand you faith and you want to begin to make faith your own, that you just maybe begin to spend some time with him, begin to give God's word a chance, just get up early or sometime at lunch or sometime in the evening and just get a piece of paper and say, God, just speak to my heart, speak to my soul. And if you'll do that, if we'll get away from some of the treble of this world and the blogs and the social media and the movies and the Netflix and all the different things that we have, and we'll just give God some, some time, just a space and time, my guess is he's going to begin to say to you that I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm by your side. I'm closer than you even think I am in your life. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for this series where we can take time to ask these questions that trip us up a lot of times or that honestly we wrestle around with. And, and God, it's, it is hard a lot of times to, to know what you're doing or why you're doing it or why you're not doing it. And there's a lot of people who have opinions about you. And uh, God, I'm so grateful that we can get to know you 
through your word, through your son, and by spending time with you. And God, I'm thankful for all the people who build into our lives and help hand us faith and and trust in you. But God, I also pray that, especially during this series and as we start a new year, that, that we would all begin to take that journey to own our own faith in you. And that we would hear, and even more than that, we would feel your presence and that you are right there with us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.